When it comes to familiarity, uh, Dorothy and her search for the Emerald City is cataloged and remembered by most people aged 3 to 102. And there's the scene where they finally arrive after getting reasonably high in a field of colorful poppies. Uh, and they're emerging from what's sure to be ancient forests to find green skyscrapers painted into the background. They approach the door, and after proving they have business with the wizard within, our band of heroes are allowed inside. But that leaves you thinking, what if you don't need to see a wizard in order to escape? Or what if you're not trying to escape at all? Who, in the land of Oz, filled with trees and forests as old as time, and then some, would want to see a city with only one attraction, the power to leave. And this begs an even bigger question. What came before this glass city? Where are you visiting from? Maryland. Maryland? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And what brought you guys to Hudson Harris? The vessel, actually. The vessel. Have you yep. been on it yet? Yeah, we have. Today what was the was first time. What was your review? We, we like it, but the circumstances are not so well because my younger daughter doesn't feel so good. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, like, some kind of infection. Kind of infection? Oh, so it's just a sick day. Sick day. Alas, alas. Well, I mean, aside from that, have you guys checked out the shops at all? No. No, no. We cannot. We have to go home. Enter Hudson Yards, New York's newest and notably most expensive neighborhood. Capping off at $25 billion, the construction of Hudson Yards took seven years before opening in a near-complete state during early 2019. With a land use of 28 acres, the development is a veritable neighborhood providing luxury housing and businesses with a quote-unquote affordable, and get ready, I'm going to be saying quote-unquote a lot, and cleanly tagline. Helmed by the related company, Hudson Yard stands as their newest and most expensive venture among several developments dotting the ever-changing Manhattan skyline. So I'm just wondering why, for one, actually, where you're visiting from today. Oh, I'm, I live in Long Island, and oh, okay, I come well. into the city. Oh, yeah. um, I've never seen this. And what do you think of it? Um, it's amazing. I think it's beautiful. Um, I'm not into going on it now because I don't have my sneakers on it. I'm yeah. not doing that walk. Uh, on a fall day, I'll come back when it's, you know, temperatures a little, little less. Yeah. It's been called the future of neighborhoods by some, a billionaire's paradise by others, and little Dubai by the most clever. It holds a performance space, a massive mall with high-end names lining the halls, three apartment buildings, offices, and an incredibly inaccessible attraction titled The Vessel, a honeycomb created out of interconnecting stairs that offers views of the city below. Hudson Yards becomes the newest space in New York to look nothing like the city around it. But the main question, with sprayed and clean concrete surrounding these glass buildings, is what came before it? What was this ground we're standing on? And more importantly, where in the city and the world have we seen anything like it? Hudson Yards is built where the old West Side train yards used to stand, an exposed industrial yard where Long Island Railroad trains would be stored and changed after departing nearby Penn Station. Bordered by Hell's Kitchen to the north, Midtown to the east, and Chelsea to the south, the train yards existed as an essential stop for servicing and resting train cars used to travel commuters in and out of the city. The yards weren't demolished, though. Uh, they were moved underground, allowing for related to commence building above. 
Land use aside, related company began catching flack once construction began in 2012. Following the 2008 recession and to combat the gargantuan costs of the projected development, related turned to an open shop construction method, allowing for union and non-union laborers to build together. As they were inexpensive, non-union workers were given more jobs and hours within the development. One non-union worker was accused of logging 12-hour shifts seven days a week on the development for a full year, and among other working infractions, it caused fierce debate between the related company and union president Gary LaBarbera, who, in feisty iron worker talk, had described Hudson Yards as a quote-unquote prison for the unionized workers caught in the quagmire below. However, as the development remained as an economic incentive and related held the capital to continue building, construction commenced without issue. Hudson Yards, though still in the throes of construction, and by that I mean while we were there, there was an entire team of workers building a stage in front of the art gallery titled The Shed. It still has opened to the public as of May 2019. Right now, it offers a mall full of luxury shops, including a flagship Neiman Marcus that I'm planning on taking my mom to. But for the most part, the exterior is still under construction, save for the vessel, an attempt at building a Highline-esque tourist attraction without the appeal of 100-year-old rail. What, what is it we're looking at? What is it? Hmm? What, what are we looking at? <laughs> a big piece of metal. <laughs> With stairs, a trash can with no real purpose. <laughs> That's such a hike. I cannot okay, imagine walking to the top of that. Even Marcus sign covering it is so funny. <laughs> how many? How many people are down there? Would you say? Mm, how many of them are from New York? Probably six. <laughs> how many are down there? Probably a thousand. <laughs> Created by interconnecting stairs, and honestly, to our surprise, a single elevator for differently abled visitors. The part sculpture, part observation deck, part Fitbit enthusiast dream resembles a massive honeycomb, or better yet, a particularly empty shawarma. Most of the people I spoke to were visiting solely for the vessel, and despite massive lines, ticketed entry, and security guards who would jump at any sign of disorder, it was filled to the brim with tourists. I walked it with my roommate Ryan and my girlfriend Fatima. And let me be clear, the view halfway up was about the same as the top, save for the view of the Equinox Hotel rooftop, where we noticed assumed to be wealthy individuals sunbathing with a view that was sure to be better than ours. When we got to the top, I asked Ryan her opinion, and she put the situation to words rather well. What can you see from up here? What's the view? Like, New Jersey? I don't want that. This big metal thing that has no purpose. The shed's empty-ass rooftop that they could... Sorry. The shed's rooftop that they could have made a green roof like this tiny piece of slab on the other one. I don't know. It's mostly construction. It's mostly New Jersey. I'm not into it. To backtrack a little bit, the vessel is one of the few free attractions on the premises. There was an art gallery on view at the shed. However, a tourist took the hot weather rather poorly and decided the entrance a good place to lay down. A security guard attempted to move him for like 10 minutes, and uh, it was to no avail. 
Most of the spots, shops, and attractions are geared for luxury, with the shops at Hudson Yards and the ultra-lux Equinox Hotel as its crowning jewels. But, as of August 7th, members of the Equinox Gym had taken to social media to condemn the owner of the gym's parent company, Stephen Ross, who held a fundraiser for Donald Trump somewhere secluded and well-lit in the Hamptons. That parent company? The related company proprietors of Hudson Yards, and the big heap of money for which all of this was born. To speak on housing, perhaps the most hotly contested issue in New York City politics, no development of this size could legally stand without some apartments stabilized and deemed, get ready for it, quote-unquote, affordable. While leases and apartments were being filled before completion, only three of the buildings on the Hudson Yards campus will have apartments and only one of those will have the affordable units for which allowed construction. While actual prices were scant in the press kit, the lowest I could find for a one-bedroom rang the tune of about 2300 a month, while most two- to three-bedroom apartments were only available to those willing to purchase the space outright. While the, and I'm going to be frank, tone deafness of this pricing only exacerbates a city's housing crisis that has existed since before the creation of NYCHA in the 1930s, it's not necessarily surprising. This isn't the first time a multi-billion dollar development company has decided to carve out a quiet space separate from the city for the most wealthy among us to sleep in. Hmm. I'm so upset. I'm not wearing my answer. <laughs> you know, you ca- I caught that on too. What are you saying? <laughs> oh, no, what do you think thus far? What did you say earlier? It looks like all the rejected Dubai buildings. <laughs> While the Hudson Yards press kit lists Rockefeller Center as the historical precedent, many elements in terms of construction, use, and area remain very, very different. The main similarity is that Rockefeller Center held this record for most expensive development since its construction from the 1930s until Hudson Yards effectively bought that away. 30 Rock had been built as a proto-office park with businesses and corporations in mind. While Hudson Yard lists this as one of their stated aims, and related companies' main offices will move there following completion, Rockefeller Center was built on land previously owned by Columbia College, barreling away brownstones rather than train yards or industry. But to understand what the future may hold for Hudson Yards, many are looking across the pond. In London, a similar development constructed on the city's historic Isle of Dogs began building in the 1980s, after a consortium of investors and big money types got together under the umbrella group called the Canary Wharf Group, for which the development was then named after. Canary Wharf took the city within a city thing to a new level, existing on an island in one of the world's largest and most diverse locales. It soon had an economic center to rival downtown London, and while the construction wasn't as salacious when compared to La Barbara's fighting words for Hudson Yards, the development did interfere with TV signals of those living to the Isle's northern, more industrial neighborhood. Community members sued and eventually lost. Then, as the global economy grew, faltered, grew, and faltered once more during the already long 21st century, the owner of the Canary Wharf Group stepped away from the development in 2004, selling it to a poetically titled investment group named Songbird Estates, which itself is led by the incredibly unpoetic U.S. bank Morgan Stanley. Then, following the Great Recession of 2008, Morgan Stanley was forced to sell large portions of Songbird to Qatari investors with money from China's sovereign wealth fund. 
Okay, so to comb through that incredibly confusing bit of economic history, Canary Wharf, a neighborhood on an island in London, once owned by the British, is now owned by a U.S. real estate firm that is itself controlled by Qatari investors with Chinese money. If you were playing a game of economic Mad Libs, that sentence might just make your dad laugh. If only he, or any of us, could possibly understand it. While it might not be fair to compare Hudson Yards to the tossed salad of international money that is Canary Wharf, it might be a way to look at the future of New York's newest neighborhood. While the related company is currently in good economic standing, it mainly survives on capital collected through their various buildings and expensive memberships at Equinox Gyms and the ever-trendy Soul Cycle, for which related owns all of. And with droves of members canceling after this Trump fundraiser scandal, it's important to note the frailty of these massive corporations, especially those dealing primarily in real estate. Hudson Yards is owned by one, albeit massive, corporation, if the related company, or Equinox, or any one of the many heads holding up this neighborhood were to fall, the beast beneath could potentially crumble. While I was trying to find tourists to talk to, I find myself walking away from the vessel. Walking away from the shops and the class buildings, and soon I was standing over the soft hums of the ancient west side train yards across 11th Avenue. This part still exposed. There were halal carts instead of shake shacks, soda instead of cold brew. A train leaped to life, pulling underneath the street and the vessel until it had totally disappeared beneath Hudson Yards. And it made me think of this video I saw. It started with a close-up on a rat gnawing through a bag of chips. You know, something very quintessentially in New York, something your mom would be like, oh, I saw this online and thought of you. Uh, it could be any street, any avenue in the city, and then the camera pans out to reveal the vessel, with its massive lines and hordes of tourists standing around. Just then, the rat scurries off, and the video ends. It reminds you that while Hudson Yards may be a veritable emerald city, the wizard is not all-powerful. And luckily, there isn't one air balloon to take you home, but a subway. Just pray to God it isn't rush hour. For WNSR, I'm Ian Farmer.